having genuine confidence in someone makes all the difference in your relationship and in the productivity of that relationship. And what is so sad is that on earth we can't have 100% confidence in anybody because of the frailty of human flesh. But we can have 100% confidence in our God. But many believers are more shaky with God than they are with people. And uh, have sometimes just a wrong perspective on uh, what God has done for them and who he is and his characteristics. Now we're not going to go into all of that here tonight, but I do want to talk about the importance of confidence uh, in the matter of especially prayer. And look at confident believers here tonight. And, um, and, and just deal with this matter of knowing that we can trust God in our relationship with him. If you've read the biography of Hudson Taylor, you know that God met the need of his soul well into his ministry. He had gotten a vision of what God could do in reaching the entire, uh, the entire country of China and getting to every uh, province, but he, he just struggled himself with discouragement and, uh, and a lot of uh, awareness of his weakness. But then God used a truth to really stir his heart, and I'll mention that in a moment. He came back to England for a period of time, which was very strategic, as he was so burdened to see his ministry go forward. And on June 25th, 19, excuse me, 1865, James Hudson Taylor, at 33, came to the great crisis of his life. He was... Uh, on the Brighton Beach on the south coast of England. We took a trip on one of our trips years ago to England to take the time to go to the southern coast of England just because I wanted to walk on that, that area. It's not as nice as I thought it would be, but anyway, it was still uh, a very uh, historic spot. There was a, this, it was on a quiet Sunday morning, and he took a step of faith in response to a simple spiritual principle he had just discovered. He was su surprised that this truth had so long eluded him. Here's what it is. If we are obeying the Lord, the responsibility rests with him, not with us. Uh, Jason Taylor really got a hold of resting in the Lord and how God would do everything he said if he would trust him. He was striving so hard and trusting the Lord, uh, but he was not resting in the Lord. And so months of struggle were over, and the way ahead was clear. He needed to obey the scriptures and trust God to be faithful uh, according to his word, and that what he was going to do was not rash because it was based upon his word. And throwing caution and tradition to the winds, Hudson Taylor formed the China Inland Mission. That's why, to me, the beach there, the sands there at Brighton are very significant. Because literally, you can trace now throughout history, we're talking over hundreds of millions of people because someone came to confidence that God meant what he said. 
And James Hudson Taylor was no different than us. But the vision that he had, he was will, able to believe that it could happen because he was resting in the God that gave it to him. 1 John chapter 5, please, here tonight. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 5. You have the wonderful thrust throughout the book of 1 John on our relationship with him and the subsequent fellowship and abiding in God that we uh, should be living in. We have that initially given to us by John as he gives the upper room discourse and then the, uh, the teaching of Jesus on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane about abiding in Christ. And you see that same word used over and over, translated in different ways throughout the epistle of 1 John. And in this epistle, the Holy Spirit took the burden of John uh, that to... To help folks understand, we can be confident in our relationship with the Lord and that God is wanting uh, to do a great work and, and we need to live in that fellowship with Him. We've had, we had a touch of that throughout this prayer meeting. The importance of a genuine, vibrant, personal, spiritual, inward relationship with the Lord. And here in the concluding verses of 1 John 5, we're going to be looking at our confidence comes, first of all, with just the confidence of our relationship with Him, the confidence of eternal life, a verse we often quote when we're talking to people about the gospel. These things have I written unto you, 1 John 5, 13, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that she may believe on the name of the Son of God. What a wonderful reality uh, that we have, that we have an eternal relationship with God. Now, some of you here uh, knew that your father or mother was your father or mother, but uh, because of uh, the way they treated you and all, you came through your childhood years and even young adult years not being confident in your relationship with those that are closest to you. And it's very easy then to think that, oh, I disappointed the Lord. He's going to reject me. Or he's not going to uh, uh, keep his promises to me because I have not been everything that I ought to be. Now, obviously, our hearts have to be right if God's going to be working in our lives. Uh, but we can rest in the fact, we can have this absolute confidence um, that we have this eternal relationship. That we may know, that word know there is that inward uh, deep uh, knowledge uh, that, that goes uh, deep within us because we know the truth and the Spirit of God is there to make that truth very real. And we... Uh, need to be assured of the fact that we have eternal life and the reality of what that eternal life means in our lives. Now let me just say this, and I say it periodically. If you struggle with assurance of salvation, you're going to struggle growing. Most often, a person struggling with assurance of salvation, their problem is not their, uh, the fact that they've been saved, but it's because they're looking at themselves and don't feel like maybe things are going 
like a Christian should, should have them go. And they're insecure in their relationship with the Lord. And that's a tragic thing. Because every message you hear, you think assurance. Every time you are moved by something, you think assurance. And you can't go on in your Christian life. Now, some people truly aren't saved. But believe me, if you aren't saved, there usually isn't the burden about your salvation. Uh, but remember, the key to assurance is to look to Jesus, who is the one who is eternal life, and not to yourself. And it's the fact that you have placed your faith in him. Just look to him. And, um, and that, that helps so many people. But here we need to be living in that wonderful reality of our eternal life. And, um, and so uh, as, we, as we look at this, uh, as we get to prayer, there's a reason I'm taking the time. You can see verses 13 um, uh, through 16 go directly together in this portion of Scripture here. Uh, but um, there, this is a, an assurance that is an ongoing present tense assurance. I've written this unto you, those of you that have put your faith in God, in the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that you, that you have an ongoing understanding that you have eternal life and that you are living in a resting, believing, faith-filled relationship with Him not doubting, not um, feeling cut off from him, but living in a rich and productive fellowship. Uh, in 1 John 1, if you want to look back at the beginning of this book, you can see the heart of the Apostle John here in regard to this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, speaking of Jesus, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, speaking of Christ, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, so that what? Ye may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so this, the reality of eternal life, the reality of Christ being that life, and the fact that he is our Savior and that we are trusting him alone for salvation, that opens the door as we were in our prayer meeting today, looking at the fact of having that ongoing fellowship in our heart with him. And if we're doubting because of our sin and, uh, and the things that are in our life, then we're not going to be having that uh, fellowship. So confidence here is, is based on our faith in the Lord. That's what, uh, that's what Hudson Taylor was saying. He began to realize, ah, I wasn't resting in the Lord. I was not believing in what he could do. I was losing sight of the tremendous truths that he had given that all are based upon uh, uh, the finished work of Christ. And so everything is based upon what Christ has done for us. Now, the reason I'm just touching on this first here is that uh, that ongoing fellowship and relationship with Christ and that assurance of our fellowship with him and reveling in that leads us then to a very free and open relationship when it comes to prayer. 
because we are his child. Uh, he has made great promises to us. And therefore, we, the confidence that we have in eternal life, I want you to get this. You've got to note this in the context. The confidence that we have in our eternal life is the same confidence that we ought to have in answered prayer. It's the same Christ who kept his promise about salvation. And when we're in active fellowship, then it's not hard to believe that God answers prayer. But my friends, when we get into the realm of prayer and we're not abiding in Christ, it's not a personal reality. Christ is distant. We come to the Lord in prayer either out of duty or need at some point, and we should come to him. There isn't that wonderful, warm, day-by-day, moment-by-moment reality of his word and his communication to us and his love for us and our interaction with him, and that's not real. So when we come to prayer, it becomes more theoretical. It becomes analytical. It is not that which has that deep confidence that we should have. Christians that really know the Savior are Christians who have no doubt that God answers prayer. In fact, those that really know the Lord Jesus, they're almost audacious in what they say about God is going to work. I've mentioned many times about my grandmother. And uh, she would be praying and then she would say, I've got the answer. And she would say, we got it. That was her famous little phrase. We got it. And, uh, and she wasn't being proud about it. She just knew it from the word of God. And God had ministered to her heart. And she was so close to the Lord. She spent hours every day with the Lord. And I remember thinking, now, Grandma, uh, how do you know you got it? Of course, every time she said that, she got it. So it began to begin, become a bit um, uh, real to me. And over and over, I had several key answers to prayer in my life that she prayed it through and, and said, uh, let's continue to pray. I believe uh, we've got it. And the Lord's ministered to my heart that way. And uh, wow, God answered her prayer. You say, wow, she must just have, she must have a special formula for prayer. <laughs> no, she had an inside track with God. And you can too. You can too. Remember, John chose to be close to the Lord. And I believe after the Spirit of God came into their lives at Pentecost, he chose to be close to the Lord. And John knew that this wonderful assurance and confidence in our relationship with him, our eternal life, our eternal relationship, and all the fellowship that comes because of that, he knew he wasn't being audacious. We can know God is going to answer prayer. In fact, some of the greatest prayer promises under inspiration were given by the Apostle John, in quoting Jesus, if you, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's the upper room discourse there in John chapter 14. And so John believed this with all of his heart. This is obviously scripture. It's absolutely true. But it came because he knew his Savior. And the more you are in a genuine abiding relationship with the Lord, the more you gain confidence that this matter of prayer isn't hope so. It isn't some kind of fatalistic thing. It isn't a hit and miss uh, exercise. It isn't just for us to feel better. God uh, obviously wants to fellowship with us. That's the whole point. But God accesses through us 
the things that he wants to do. And so that's why I wanted to mention this, uh, that wonderful verse, verse 13. But let's now go to the main part of the message, assurance of an eternal hearing, which means we're going to have confidence in answers to prayer. Verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Unfortunately, these verses have been dismissed off at, well, you know, there's, if you can get a hold of whatever the will of God is, you get that answer. But if it's not the will of God, you don't get that answer. That misses the whole thrust of this passage. You see, John knew the Savior, and he knew what the Savior wanted. The Spirit of God was constantly ministering to John and those like him. And in that fellowship with him, that wonderful knowledge that this eternal life is real and knowing the truth and resting upon God, there is now the, the knowledge of the heart of God. Same thing if you'll ask anything in my name, my purposes, my heart, uh, that which is important to me, you're going to get it. And so we're not talking about something arbitrary here. We're talking about a deep and abiding relationship with the Lord that will bring the confidence. And God wants us not only to have assurance about our salvation, but he wants us to see great things happen uh, because of our prayer life. And so uh, let's just look again at verse uh, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Uh, that simple little uh, preposition has the idea of face-to-face relationship with him. Uh, this is uh, confidence in our, in our position in him. Uh, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Now it says anything. Anything. That's all different facets of our life, our ministry, uh, those that we're responsible to uh, reach, all of those things, anything, uh, we can have a hearing. And if we have a hearing, we got it. We got it. You get to the throne, and the Spirit of God leads you to the throne, and the Lord Jesus is an agreement, you got it. I mean, nothing in heaven and earth can stop you from getting that, that prayer once you get to that place. All right, let's deal with the big question here. All right, let me ask you, does God have a will for the world right now? Let me give you a big picture. Is it his will that any should perish? He wants every man to, be, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Will we all be in agreement with that? Well, doesn't God's will just get automatically accomplished? Well, certainly, when he cuts through and he says, I want it accomplished, he can do anything. But when it comes to mankind, created in his image, from the very beginning with Adam and Eve all the way through, God has worked with us to maintain our uh, genuine uh, that genuine way we were created, being in his image, doesn't violate our will. 
This is all a mystery to me, but he, he, we are not his robots. We are genuine beings that God is wanting to redeem and then to develop a relationship with. And so uh, man's will makes a difference in the accomplishment of God's will. Isn't that an amazing thing? I mean, I, that honestly is one of the great mysteries of theology. But God has a will that no, no one should perish. That's why he hasn't come back yet, according to Second Peter chapter 3. He's long-suffering. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Now, then how can, how can we answer that? Well, I personally believe the Great Commission, God's plan, is for his people in this age to join with him in obedient faith and in agreement with him about what is his will, clearly stated will, and to pray for God to change the heart of ourselves so that we can be, and we heard a lot of prayer like that in the last couple of days, God can give us the burden, the love, the power, the boldness, and that when we join with God to accomplish that which is on our hearts, that allows God to accomplish his will. So that means then, you got a lost loved one. Is it God's will for them to get saved? Is it? Okay. If you begin to pray and line up with his will about your lost loved one and do not give up and are willing to be the instrument if you... If he calls you to be, think God's going to be working? Guaranteed he will be working. He won't force that will, but he can sure make that person willing. <laughs> Brother Himes gave me the Hornet song the other, a few months ago, that Paul Levine used to sing. Uh, sometime I'll have to have somebody sing it here. Uh, but, uh, the song is about uh, the Hornet doesn't... Uh, make you leave the room, it just makes you willing to go. Especially some of you girls. I mean, you are faster than lightning. Well, you don't like spiders or whatever, but uh, they can't pick you up and throw you out, but boy, they can make you, make you go. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, when we're praying, and by the way, one of the secrets to seeing people saved, we're going to talk about people here in a minute, but one of the secrets is stay at it. Because every time you pray, God's doing something. And the hound of heaven, if I, I'll use that respectively, will continue to bray in their hearts. And you can see God work. Do not give up. Listen, the, the illustration of uh, Mueller, when it come, George Mueller, when it comes to all the people that he prayed for to get saved, getting saved, except two that got saved after he was died or something like that. Um, he... The reason that happened is he agreed with God. He knew the word of God. He continued to pray. He sacrificed to pray. He did everything he could. And you know what? God's will was accomplished. Because God wanted every one of those people to be saved. Do you agree with me? Now, folks, we've got to get back to believing God. You see what a burden it is, folks. God has given us the privilege and yet sobering responsibility to pray 
and line up with the heart of God as we know it through the word and through fellowship with him. And as we pray, for instance, for the lost, then God is able to work as he wants to work. I don't understand it all, but that's what it says. So if you pray, all right, let's suppose, how many of you have a lost loved one? Okay, let's suppose tonight you go home and you start praying for that lost loved one. You're going to have a hearing at the throne. Right? That's what I said. Let's look at it again. Let's, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You have an audience at the King of Kings and Lord of Lords throne. And if it is according to his will and praying for your lost loved one is God's will, you got a hearing. And that means that God is going to work and that... Uh, you are going to see an answer, not only at that time of whatever God chooses to do, conviction, circumstances, whatever it is, but if you stay at it, I believe you can claim that person for Christ. I know it's a mystery. Some people say, I prayed for my lost loved one and they died. Number one, you don't know if they got saved or not. But number two is how much do we stay on it and really believe God? And those of you that have been praying for lost loved ones for quite a while, you can get weary in well-doing, can't you? Does unbelief ever get a hold of you? It's hard to be rebuffed. It's hard to really believe that that person can be saved. You can go in confident prayer because it's God's will for that person to be saved. By the way, if you don't believe that God means what he says here about the lost, you're, you're writing a fine theological line on Calvinism. God's going to save some and not save others. I don't know about you, but my God wants to save everybody. And I want to be part of that. I want to believe God. I want to give everything I can to, to give myself to prayer. Every day. Throughout the day. People that are on your heart. Now, I know I'm preaching on a tough subject for many of you, but folks, we need to be hearing precious loved ones getting saved. Do not get weary. Now, let me ask you another, and I'm gonna, we'll go further on this in a minute. Is it God's will for every Christian to be in the image of Christ? Is it? Is that the end? Of, is that not the purpose for every believer? So, when you pray for a believer to get certain things settled or need growth in a certain area, uh, need to make decisions, do you, uh, do you think you'll get a hearing if you're walking with God? Yeah? And then God's going to work. And do you realize what an advantage you have? You've got the Spirit of God indwelling that person that you're praying for. That's really exciting. Honestly, Sunday school teachers, if you get brokenhearted about your, the folks that are in your Bible studies and Sunday school classes, I think you'd be shocked at what would happen. I can just tell you as a pastor, we've got a church full of miracles here. And I can't give all the specific uh, answers to prayer, but I'm telling you, I just want to tell you, God answers specific prayer about believers. 
And uh, if we would line up with God, we would unleash his omnipotent hand and arm and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers if we would stay at it and then be obedient to do what we ought to do. All right, those two things are very clear. There are other things that we ask God for wisdom. Does God promise wisdom? And as we pray for wisdom, and we're burdened about things that clearly would line up with what God's word says, God will begin to stir us to pray along that line. And if we have others praying with us and God works in their hearts, you come to a place in which you know that God has united those hearts. That's why corporate prayer is so important. United hearts to pray uh, for whatever it is that you're praying for. An example would be the building next door. And that um, once you know you have a hearing you're going to see God answer that prayer. And a lot of things, it's obvious that God wants those things. Sometimes we, we need direction and wisdom. Now, here's the key. Remember I talked about being on the inner circle, having the inside track? You see, if you're actually living and reveling in that assured relationship with the Lord, if you, you are getting his heart, this word is becoming rich to you, and you're understanding what God's wanting, and, and his heart is changing you. The love of God has just really come into your being, and, and you have a broken heart for souls, and, and, the, and you're learning, and you're fellowshipping with others to get a real keen sense of the heart of God. Well, you're going to know what to pray for. My grandmother was never presumptuous. She took time. She would counsel sometimes with my dad. But she didn't quit when she was praying about something until she knew the heart of God. And when she got it, when she got a hearing, hallelujah. And on things that are just material things and all, God does those things. It's a battle, obviously, in the wills of people, both lost and, and disobedient believers. And that's why you keep on. And even with praying for material things, you know it's the will of God, but God's wanting to change us, but God is going to work. And, uh, and so we need to have confident praying. I, I ended that part of the prayer meeting when we were praying about the uh, reaching teens in our area and around the world. I sensed God said, no, this is my will. We know it's God's will. Now, uh, folks, we need to believe from just that simple few minutes of time where there was agreement on that. And some people really prayed by faith. God is already working to bring about a move of God because he loves the teenagers in our area. He loves our own teenagers. And I'm telling you, he will work. And he'll provide the open doors. You see, this is where people that see miracles happen, open doors for ministry, uh, how God directs, how it's just, how did that happen? That contact, uh, that unusual situation. That's because they're, they're, you come to a convincement, this is what God wants, and you get jealous for God's will, and you get a hold of that, and you continue to hold on to that. But believing that you got a hearing, and that you have the heart of God, you're one with Him, expecting God to work, and my friends, He works. What we could access in prayer if we would learn this truth. I cringe when I have somebody, when they pray, now, Lord, we ask you for this, if it be thy will. 
And, oh, I mean, that's so fatalistic, I just think I want to slither out of the prayer meeting. You know, sorry if you do that by habit. I don't mean to make fun of that. But uh, my thought is, well, go find out if it be thy will. Uh, there ought to be prayer. Lord, we don't know exactly how to pray, but help us here. We believe this is your heart. Would you clarify from Scripture? Would you work in our heart? We need to know because these things are important to us, and we're going to hold on this until we really are convinced by your word and by your working in our heart. And uh, in other words, we're going to see, we're going to keep going until we see some kind of answer. So don't throw that little phrase out. Um, that'll kill your kids, parents. You know, if you have a need for something, God wants to. He's promised to provide your needs. You already got scriptural ground there, right? Car breaks down, you need a car. Do you think God cares about that? Absolutely. Pray about it. Ask God for wisdom, direction. God will begin to convince. Your kids will get ahead of you on that. Really claim God's uh, working. Whenever I hear, hear children pray with confidence, I just say, Lord, they got a hearing. Do it, please. And, uh, and God always does it. Your family ought to be just filled with miracles because dad and mom uh, had confidence that God's going to do it because you have that relationship and God's worked in your heart. You're honest. You have your kids pray with you. Then when God deals with you, you claim that and believe God. It's not fatalistic at all. You don't make excuses for God and you pray till you see answers. And uh, so it's, it's really important for us uh, to get a hold of this. And God will do it. I love verse 15. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So what's really the key of what I'm saying here? Know your God. Revel in your position in him. Learn his heart. Know the will of God is revealed in the word of God. So understand how he operates that it is just automatic for you to know uh, just about everything you're praying is what God would want and you can get very specific confidence. It's time we get back to believing God for big things. Now, now by the way, there's a wonderful little statement. The only footprints on the sand sands of time that will really last are the ones made after knee prints. <laughs> That's where God makes an impact for eternity. Some final words here. Don't neglect verse 16. Here's intercession for saved people. If any man see his brother, so it's a saved person, sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Now, a lot could be said about this verse. But here we have in this context of having confident prayer that we need to be praying for Christians who clearly are obvious in their sin. They are sinning a sin. This is something that you can see. It's only used like this three times, or only, only time here in the New Testament. And it makes the outward nature of this act, uh, it marks that and underlines its sinfulness. So when we see a brother or sister uh, 
uh, sinning in a way that obviously they, have, they don't have spiritual life at that moment. doesn't mean they're not saved. They just, you know, folks, it's death if you're not walking with God. A Christian has that awful corrupt harvest, that degenerative harvest when we are sowing to the flesh. And so when you see a Christian sinning, you want to pray according to James 1.15, then with lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Lord, keep uh, the consequences come, uh, away from this person. Bring them to uh, a, a place of getting right with God. And so what this is saying here, when you see a, a, a brother publicly sinning a sin. Now it's not a sin unto death. You shall ask and he shall give him life. In other words, restored relationship with his eternal life. He didn't lose his eternal life. He just has his fellowship back. That's the whole point of all of this. Uh, for them that sin not unto death. Many times I have claimed this verse. In fact, when I have it, I, there's a list of folks and I cry out for them that God will bring them back to spiritual life right with God. And so let me just say this. You're a Christian. You're living in that reality of your eternal life. You've got that wonderful knowledge, that fellowship that is talked about at the beginning of the epistle. And because of that, you have confidence that you are having a hearing in many things because you know the heart of God. You've got that inside track. The word of God's becoming very real to you and you're understanding the heart of God. You're seeing God answer. And so when you see a brother or sister clearly sending something which you can see, you're not being judgmental. It's obvious. They're not living life, the abundant life. They're just living a fleshly life and bearing the consequences of it. You then can have the confidence to pray and say, Lord, you said, if I pray for that uh, believer who is not right with God, that you will get them back to having that relationship of life. That's exciting promise for intercession, folks. And uh, just like with the lost, you may have to pray in a while. Because some Christians can be harder uh, headed than the lost. <laughs> I tell you, a Christian that has gone away from the Lord for a while and then sinned. But I'm telling you, God can deliver. Have any of you lost hope on a wayward Christian? How many have lost hope a little bit? Be honest with it. Okay. Well, I want you to get your hope back. You claim this promise. Well, then you say, well, I'm not sure if they sin the sin unto death. Well, that's a whole nother subject uh, in itself. But um, the fact is that those that, that sin in direct defiance of God, such as church discipline issues, 1 Corinthians 5, 5, deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Pe people are trying to act like they're right, but they're living clearly debauched lives. Or who are taking the things of God tritely, and uh, you have that alluded to in 1 Corinthians 11.20. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. And we mention that every so often. Uh, and when a church is on fire for God, you know, uh, some people uh, God does deal with. 
but uh, I'll be honest with you, I cannot fully define this at this point. This is in a, a total turning from God and uh, in a place in which even action of a church has to be taken uh, because of their, um, of their opposition to the work of God and um, uh, they are in a place in which God removes them. Remember, they don't lose their salvation. The sin and the death is just almost, God just removes them for testimony's sake, for their own sake, from living. A person has to get in a pretty bad situation to be in that. And um, so, we don't know whether it's the sin and the death. And most likely, it's not. And so, let me just say that um, what we need to be uh, just believing God is that when we pray and pray for someone who's spiritually needy, uh, God can work in their hearts. And he will work. He will give them life. Now, I, in just a qu- I've given this quick overview. I'm going to finish here. But I'm sure I've hit a nerve in some of your hearts. This is what holds you back from ongoing major prayer and especially intercessory prayer. Doubt, doubt, and doubt. Fatalism. My friends, what would you say would be the ultimate key here to actually having confident prayer? Confident relationship with Jesus. You walk with Jesus. You fellowship with him. You live in the reality of your eternal life and all that it means Christ is center in your life. The word of God is becoming more and more precious to you. Then God is going to clearly lead you how to pray, and you're going to know that's God's will. That's the right thing to pray for. Uh, Sometimes you'll have other Christians pray with you, and that will all be confirmed. And you can mark it down. God has given you a hearing, and God's going to answer that prayer. And when it comes to people that um, are spiritually not living in the life, that eternal life, well, God's going to impress that on your heart to intercede. Folks, I can guarantee you, if we would fast and pray more for dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I think we'd be amazed what would happen. God's able to get attention. God is able to work. You remember when God spoke to you? That was a miracle, wasn't it? Remember when God dealt with you about serving the Lord? Remember when God got a hold of you about sin? You look back at that. That's what happens when the Spirit of God intervenes. And when we pray, God can work. And so we need to have confident prayer. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if he heareth us, we know we have the petitions we desired of him. If you ask anything in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. But then the next chapter says, if ye abide, fellowship, continue on in trusting and resting in me, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Do you know a Christian can so walk with God that their will is always God's will? Now, they're careful. What I'm saying is they just know the heart of God, and they're just seeing answers to prayer. I want you to meditate on this, folks. We need to have confident prayer. And I tell you, the flesh wants you to doubt. The flesh wants you to not believe. But folks, God wants to do mighty things, but the key is you have got to have that abiding relationship. Folks, for, you know, just like we say, we've got to have that love of God so we can reach a lost world. 
Listen, we have got to know so, so know the Lord that those lost loved ones can get saved. Your walk with God is all about you then having that power to pray into the kingdom your lost loved ones. And on we could go with lost our, um, uh, Christians who are not walking with the Lord. Folks, what a tremendous, what a tr- I mean, we're children of the king. We can go to him and ask him. I remember talking to Dr. Barry once about this, and he says, well, he said, that is true. We activate the will of God, and, um, and that's true. But he said, I just believe this. If I love the Lord, I can go to him and ask him anything. I love that. He just likes to answer my prayer. And that's true. A child that has the heart of the, uh, the Lord has their heart and you've got the heart of the Lord, you can ask anything and it will be done. Because you think alike. You think alike. And just think all that's not getting done that God wants to get done because we aren't praying. It's not God's will that Milwaukee is, is unmoved by truth. Right? Think of what God would do if we would get to believing him. But the key is that relationship. So meditate on it. But folks, we need to have confidence. Think of what God has done and what God is ready to do if we'll believe him.